ABPG 1103 Introduction to Psychology in Learning What is learning? As children and even as adults, we learn many things by just observing and imitating people. We also learn through association. Learning and association between a stimulus and a response is called as conditioning. There are many ways in which we have been conditioned without us being aware of it. Who conditions us? Like our parents, teachers, the media and society. We have been conditioned by the media to consume just like how dogs are trained to sit and shake hands. We have been conditioned to associate material things with success and happiness. Some of us realize that we have been conditioned and work on deconditioning ourselves as we learn what works best for us. How do you define learning? Learning takes place whenever experience or practice results in a relatively permanent change in behavior or behavioral potential. Learning might consist of changes in immediate behavior. For instance, you may change your brush stroke techniques immediately after your art teacher suggest that you try something new. Learning can also consist of changes that can potentially be initiated but do not occur because the opportunity never arises. So learning is a result of practice or experience. We can learn by actively repeating behavior or simply from passively experiencing it. Classical conditioning. Our exploration of learning begins with a Russian Nobel Prize winning scientist called Ivan Pavlov who discovered classical conditioning almost by accident. Pavlov was actually studying digestion. He was measuring how much saliva dogs produce when fed. He noticed that the dogs began to salivate even before they tasted the food. In fact, they began salivating as soon as they heard his footsteps. This aroused Pavlov's curiosity and he decided to try something out. On repeated occasions, he sounded a bell just before feeding the dogs. After some time, the dogs began salivating as soon as the bell rang. It was as if they will have learned that the bell was a signal that they were going to be fed. If you have any pets at home, you would have noticed that as well. There are four basic elements in classical conditioning. The unconditioned stimulus, the unconditioned response, the conditioned stimulus and the conditioned response. ABPG 1103 Introduction to Psychology in Learning There are a few basic principles of classical conditioning like stimulus generalization it means it occurs when stimuli similar to the original conditioned stimulus elicit the conditioned response stimulus discrimination it takes place when only CS elicits the CR Extinction, it occurs when the UCS is repeatedly withheld and the association between the CS and the UCS is weakened. Spontaneous recovery is the reappearance of CR after extinction and higher order conditioning. This type of conditioning occurs when a NS becomes a conditioned stimulus through repeated pairings with a previously CS. There are certain steps can be taken to make it easier to establish a classically conditioned response and there are repeated pairings of the US and the CS and spacing of pairings. Repeated pairings of the UCS and the CS, it means the strength of the CS increases each time these two stimuli are paired until it reaches a point where no further learning occurs. The conditioned response is now fully established and spacing of pairings, 
Let's see if the CS and UCS pairings follow each other too closely or too far apart, learning the association is slower. If the spacing is moderate, learning occurs faster. One of the practical uses of classical conditioning is commercial advertising. Commercial advertising uses classical conditioning to sell products. Advertisers often pair their products with gorgeous models. The gorgeous models automatically trigger favorable responses in the people viewing the ads. After repeated viewings, advertisers hope that the products alone will elicit the same favorable responses. While Pavlov was busy with his dogs, another psychologist by the name of Edward Lee Thorndike was studying how cats learned. Thorndike confined a hungry cat in a simple wooden cage he called the puzzle box and placed some food right outside the box where the cat could still see and smell it. To get the food, the cat had to figure out how to open the latch on the box door, a process Thorndike timed. Initially, it took the cat some time before it could figure out how to open the latch. However, in each subsequent trial, it took less and less time. Eventually, the cat could escape from the box in almost no time at all. Thorndike was a pioneer of this type of learning which involves responding in a certain way because of the consequences it brings. This form of learning is known as operant conditioning. Thorndike's law of effect summarizes the influences of consequences. Law of effect refers to Thorndike. Thorndike's theory that behavior which is consistently rewarded will be recorded as learned behavior and behaviors which have unpleasant outcomes will be removed. There are three basic principles of operant conditioning. Reinforcement consists of primary, secondary, positive and negative. Punishment and shadows of reinforcement consist of continuous and partial. Reinforcement, it refers to delivering a stimulus immediately or shortly after a response, which results in increasing the chance of that response occurring again in the future. Reinforcement is divided into four categories, primary reinforcers, secondary reinforcers, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Punishment refers to any event which decreases the probability of behavior occurring again. Punishment is different from negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement strengthens behavior by removing something unpleasant from the environment. In contrast, punishment adds something unpleasant to the environment to weaken behavior. Punishment should also be consistent. If you punish your child for hitting his sister but not for hitting the dog, then he is most likely to do it again. In some cases, even the mere threat of punishment is enough to remove unwanted behavior. This is called as avoidance training. And shadows of reinforcement, it refers to the rule in operant conditioning for determining when and how often reinforcers will be delivered. There are two types of shadows of reinforcement, continuous reinforcement and partial reinforcement. There are two elements of operant conditioning, emitted behavior and consequences. Emitted behavior, there is one major difference between classical conditioning and operant conditioning. In classical conditioning, a response is automatically triggered by some stimulus. Consequence, which increase the chances that a behavior will be repeated are called reinforcers. 
strength conditioning. Similarities both involve learning through association. In both cases, the responses are under the control of stimuli in the environment. Neither CC nor OC responses will last forever if they are not periodically renewed and in both CC and OC new behaviors can build on previously established ones differences in CC it is a learned association between one stimulus and another in OC it is a learned association between some action and a consequence and in CC the responses are automatically triggered and the response are voluntary cognitive learning classical conditioning and operant conditioning are considered by some psychologists to be the only legitimate types of learning for scientific study this is because they can be measured and observed however others argue that mental activities should not be ignored because they are of utmost importance to learning. How do you visualize the layout of a chessboard from someone else's description of it? How do you know how to hold a knife the proper way just by watching a cooking show on television? How do you absorb abstract concepts such as reinforcement in your memory? You do all these things and much more through cognitive learning. Essentially, cognitive learning refers to the mental processes that go on inside us when we learn. It is difficult to design experiments in which mental processes such as thinking and reasoning can be directly observed and measured because they are internal experiences. And observational learning? We learn many things just by watching and listening to others. Essentially, observational learning involves interaction with other people and is known to be a form of social learning. How do you define observational learning? Observational learning of vicarious learning is very common. We use it all the time. For example, by watching others, we can learn how to turn on the computer and pay bills online. We also learn how to show love or respect as well as hostility and aggression by observing others. We can even learn bad habits like smoking. This is one of the reasons why cigarette advertisements have been banned on television because it is believed that providing models of smokers would prompt people to imitate smoking. However, we obviously do not imitate everything other people do. Why are we selective in our imitation? Because we do not pay attention to everything that goes on around us. We usually opt to imitate behaviors that are modeled by someone we look up to, like a famous or attractive person or an expert. If the behavior expressed by the model is not memorable, it will not be learned. And if we have no motivation to perform the observed behavior, we probably will not show what we have learned.